Pray for a dick hoe, white hoe, let's go That's one type dog, white hoe, yeah, yeah Let's go, yeah, white Flex, my bitch love. Welcome back to another episode of the Boredom Project Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Smythe McCauley, and thank you for joining us on this very special Woo Bag Wednesday. Rest in peace, Pop. Today, I have a very good friend of mine, as always, Marquavius Moore, running back at Columbia University on the football team, a poet as well, doing a lot of really big things in the community too. Um, just brought him on today to talk about everything he's been doing and everything he's up to. Um, and I'm really excited for this conversation. So everybody welcome my bestie, Quay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. That was that was dope. Yeah. I'm yeah, glad I'm like here. To, like to have fun with it to start the show off. But um, we just talked a little bit, man. How are you doing? How's everything? You know, I'm definitely coping and finding ways to uh push forward even though everything kind of feels like it's just stuck like stagnant. But, um yeah 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 so yeah i'm living i'm living life i'm about to move and and at the end of the month um try to finish senior year <laughs> without <laughs> yeah. losing my mind <laughs> um but yeah man it's 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 kind of uncertain which is scary sometimes but um it's also you know exciting right the adventures that i don't even know that i'm about to go on um and i think corona actually just pushed all of this ahead like i I feel like i have to think about my post undergrad life so much like faster but yeah no even I'm I'm good, man. I'm, I've been busy with with this podcast, and um, I've been building a deck outside in my backyard. So that's definitely kept me kept me busy. It's been fun okay. too. I, I got to show Bob you a picture, builder. Bob the Builder. It's a nice little deck. <laughs> it's cool, man. If you ever come through Austin, it's outside. You know, I got to make a trip to um, Texas. So Texas is cool. Texas is cool. <clears throat> but yeah, you I were talking about talking about your senior year. You're about to be a senior at Columbia, and um, you heard, every, all of us heard on the football team about Ivy League canceling fall athletics, so all the sports in the fall have been canceled um, and with, a, with an idea that they might return in the spring, which is still mm-hmm. uncertain, but it's a possibility. So how do you feel, personally, about one, the decision, and then two, it being your senior year, this potentially being your last opportunity or season to play at Columbia. Yeah, um, I think, first of all, in terms of it being my senior year, I just think it's unfortunate. Um, it's just un- unfortunate timing. Um, if I were to have been in any other class, I mean, we don't know the reality of what post well i i don't even want to say post COVID life right because we all know if this is a thing that's going to go away um but i just i just feel like for the rest of me and my buddies and in my class it's just really unfortunate um but we have a we have a mutual friend and um warren and he just yeah. recent recently posted about how he's not he's opting out of playing right this for like for the fall or whatnot. And um, 
ultimately, I think whatever is the best decision to keep all of us safe, right? And um, I just think given, you know, the current administration, the way certain things have been handled and how we've handled this crisis, I think it's, it's, it's just um, thwarting that, right? So we can only remain hopeful. And, you know, it's unfortunate. Uh, I think ultimately it's the best idea. I mean, I just don't see a way in which we can fully play the sport without having um, one person come down with it. And, um, you know, we're still figuring out how it spreads, right? And, and we don't know if there's going to be a vaccine. So I think, um, yeah, better, better safe than sorry when it comes to your life. but um but yeah i'm definitely going to remain hopeful and especially you know hear them out for what a spring season pertains um and also there's a possibility for a fifth year so you know there's true it's a it's a constantly evolving situation and um i think i think that's life i think you know change happens and when you get comfortable, um, that's when you should be scared, right? So yeah, I like that. That's true. When when you get comfortable, yeah. Um, no, I mean it's been. I, I definitely feel like it's been a a weird situation, and definitely you being a senior it is unfortunate that you know there's no guarantee of having a season and, and finishing it out the way I'm sure everybody came in imagining they'd finish it out. Um, but just like looking at the way that the Ivy League has handled the situation compared to some of the other schools, like I'm in Austin, so I've I've been closely hearing what the University of Texas is doing, and um, I, the university itself I think is the worst in terms of like cases on campus this summer in the U.S. Oh, it's, it's it's pretty bad. But you know, I feel like a lot of these decisions right now are are being driven by money. And that's something that the Ivy League doesn't necessarily concern about or is concerned about when it comes to athletics. It's not um, something that, you know, like it doesn't yeah, generate that's not, that much first money. First of all, that's not our strong suit, right? No. <laughs> like we already get perceived a certain way for being a, an Ivy League institution. Um, but I absolutely agree. Like I'm back home in Memphis right now and at the U of M I have somebody's on the team who they're basically, you know, practicing again. Yeah. And, um, it's just a completely different world outside of like, um, how the Ivy leagues kind of sort everything out versus the rest of, um, college football. And so, It'll be interesting for sure to see how things continue for this fall. For sure. I think the intersection, too, is interesting between – so it's it's COVID and football and athletics. And you're a football player, and you're also studying neuroscience and behavior, um, which we want to know a little bit about. One, like why you're studying, why you decided to study that, and, um, you know, what's the motive? behind studying neuroscience and behavior? Yeah, um, great question. So um, a little 
background about me. I have two older brothers and an older sister. So I'm the youngest. Um, and my oldest brother actually had a brain tumor when uh, I was growing up. And I remember this time he was driving on his way to um, Chattanooga, which if you're not really familiar with Tennessee, um, Memphis to Chattanooga is about five hours, give or take. Um, and he had a seizure. Now, my brother has had a like history of having seizures, um, but it was oftentimes like misdiagnosed. And that's a different conversation for um, how I believe people of color are oftentimes um, given ill treatment in the medical world right in that realm because um in my brother's case in particular i just think that it, uh, it could have benefited him especially because on that trip to chattanooga he ended up having a seizure getting into a really bad car accident um when he got to the hospital you know they did x-rays and stuff like that that's when they saw that he had a tumor and um it was about the size of a golf ball right and I noticed, like, my bro- my oldest brother is, like, one of the most happiest. Like, he is full of, like, joy, and he's funny and charismatic. But also, it's a flip that I noticed at a young age that um, he could get really stern, really cold, really um, harsh. And this, like, bipolar-esque tendency that I saw it in him in a young age kind of like peaked an interest at me, especially when I realized that he had a tumor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, well, I wonder if this tumor is affecting how he behavior, how his behavior is um, on a day-to-day basis. And voila, neuroscience and behavior, um, which is basically bio classes and psychology classes um, into into one kind of stream. Um, yeah. So that's why I chose neuroscience and behavior. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that you brought up, um, you know, the lack that some of the disproportionately affected communities face when, when being diagnosed um, incorrectly, because that's something that you're seeing right now with, with COVID cases and, you know, especially in um, some of these, well, I'm sure in rural cities as well, um, but some of these, you know, like urban cities, you're seeing like a really distinct, um, you know, disproportion between white people being uh, tested and the percentage that are positive and then black people being tested and Hispanic people being tested and the percent that's positive. So, you know, that's something that is there that's like a reality. Um, And I think it's cool that you brought it up. Uh, And I also know that you've been, you know, not necessarily with that, because I'm not sure if you've you've been doing any work specifically with it. But I know that's something you've advocated about in the past and and talked about. Um, But are you are you doing neuroscience behavior on a pre-med track? Is that? Like, are you attempting to do pre-med eventually? Or not pre-med, go to med school? So, Josh, um, remember when I was telling you about change? Yes, I do. <laughs> um, 
So, um, as of right now, I, I am on a pre-med track, but um, with neuroscience and behavior, it's really your senior year that really kind of determines whether you want to be pre-med or not, um, based on if you take, like, orgo. And um, to be quite frank, I think I might change my major, um, which is scary, but um, at the same time, I've taken a lot of psych classes, and it's literally just a major of psychology and bio classes merged into one. So um, I'm thinking about changing my major to psychology um, because of the reason of, though I had like a lot of interest in like the medical realm, uh, like in my earlier years, and like I guess up until last semester. Um, I, I don't think med school is for me, my guy. So, <laughs> so um, I think I might just change my major. But I mean, you know, we'll we'll see, we'll see how that plays out, especially with COVID and Columbia changing their like semesters up to a three semester um, like hybrid. So I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. There's no better time to change than now, when literally everything is changing. <laughs> right so it's like hey why not why not switch it up and speaking of switch it up let's take this yeah. 360 take this opportunity to talk about your hair this is blonde yeah. right now and i've Absolutely. seen it i've seen it pink and I, i've seen it purple yeah i'm trying to think if there's been any other colors but what about changing your hair like what 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 kind of expression is that doing for you or what are you trying to is there anything you're trying to do? Is that just something for yourself? You know, like, you know, this is cool. Um, <clears throat> that's pretty, that's a pretty cool question because no one has really like asked that, you know, from that perspective. Um, one, what really pushed me to changing my hair color is me wanting to, like, I was like, this is something that I want to see if I could rock. <laughs> and um, a lot of it was kind of overcoming the fear of societal expectations. And then once I had to realize that, you know, you should only um, care to a certain extent, um, then I, I kind of freed myself from the, the prison bars that we have in our, in our, in our mind. And there's this whole concept of like what a black male is supposed to look like in society, especially a very heteronormative society, right? And uh, there's only so many forms of expression that um, someone can have. And so, um, yeah, it was definitely a roller coaster, especially when I came out to the football team, which is um, by nature a very um, highly testosterone, <laughs> very, um, it was a very masculine room to be in. Yeah. Like, and I didn't even want to say like masculine room like that because, you know, that's, that's the whole point, right? Yeah. Especially when my hair was pink at one point and it's like, what is this idea of masculinity that, um, uh, by nature, by society's rule, not by nature, excuse me, by society's rule, we're supposed to live up to as black men. And I said, you know, that's kind of BS. And, um, you know, if you want to 
question my masculinity based off of uh, hair choices, right? I think that you should kind of reevaluate what um, principles your masculinity, you know, hide behind. Um, that and also kind of, I like I like pushing the envelope a bit. You know, I like to keep people on their toes, and so um, it was it was a fun experience. It's, it was a fun. It was an experiment um, at that, <laughs> especially because I did not try to turn my hair pink. Uh, but that's a that's a story for another time. <laughs> so pink was an accident. Pink was for sure an accident. That's funny. I think no lie. I think pink was my favorite. Really? Okay, I think but pink no, was see, my that's favorite. The thing. That's the thing. Like a lot of people, you know, gave me great feedback even though i never really asked for people's opinions they gave me great <laughs> feedback um and i think when i looked in the mirror and i saw that i had pink hair and it wasn't just a little faint like a little faint pink that's like no, light and like no it was like bright it was pink <laughs> it was like very much in your face pink and i said like <laughs> You have to wear this. Like, I'm gonna like, go all have to. Now. You might as well rock it. Like you might as well go out there and just be like, "Yep, I got pink hair. Like it is what it is. I'm gonna make it look good." And uh, <laughs> but no, I was definitely, I was definitely um, kind of intimidated by the pink when I first saw it. Dang. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's because these, bro, these. Okay, I, I, I kind of do my own hair, right? And I know people are going to be like, oh, you should go to like a salon, you should do it professionally. Well, you know, I don't have professional money. And so I do my own hair and, um, you know, the box, well, actually it was in a bottle, said lavender, right? It said a soft lavender that was going, you know, in my head, I'm thinking a lavender is kind of like a soft, like more purpley, not really like, a big hot pink yeah. that they had in the bottle. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so um, I'm like putting it on and I'm like, bro, like this is very pink. Like this maybe is, it's going to get darker yeah, over time. Think- like maybe I should just wait and it's going, you know, process and it's going to get darker or it's going to get like more purple or whatever like that. And nah, it was still hot pink. And, I'm really. I, to, <laughs> I didn't know the story behind that. I did yeah. not know the story behind that. But you finally got Absolutely. it right because you finally got lavender eventually. I did. That was the purple that you mentioned. That was the next one. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna. I figured out what it was. Right. I had to meet them where they were. Meet mm. that company mm. where it was. And it, you know, it said lavender, but it wasn't lavender. So I had to go. And get, I don't even remember what the color was, but I think it was like maybe like periwinkle or something. Like, I don't know. Like, it was just trial and error. Trial and error. Trial and error. But, um, hey, that's what, that's what art is. That's what art is. And we're on the topic of, of expressionism, if that's a word. Is that a word? Expressionism? Expressionism, yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're on that topic. And I, I did some research. So that you won a competition in high school, Poetry Out Loud 2017 Tennessee champion right here. So you, you're into poetry. Do it. Absolutely. You dabble. 
what got you into it? What what drew you into poetry? And then why do you why do you continue to do it? Because I saw also it's something that you've been doing out in the community as well, trying to bring that out in uh, in some of these schools around Columbia. Yeah, um, you know, to be quite honest, I've always had literature with me. Like I growing up. Like, my grandma was the librarian at my elementary school, (laughs) and she had been the librarian there for, like, 20-something years. And so, you know, literature was always very, like, close with me. Um, Particularly, though, with that competition, I think what drove me in that moment was beating everyone else (laughs) with also a dash of being extra. And so that that competition started in the classroom, right? And it still it still goes on today. And and uh, well, I don't know how it is, you know, given COVID, but um, it's a national competition. And at first, it starts in the classroom, and your teacher will give you will tell you to go to this website, pick any poem on the website, and you have to re- come back to class, have it memorized, and you have to recite it for the class. And so. Um, you know, being an actor at heart, I was like, okay, you know, no one's going to outdo me. And so um, I kind of took that mentality and went to, um, and, and, and I kept going up in the competition. We went to the school competition and I ended up winning. And I was like, <laughs> wait a minute, maybe I should like take this oh, like, no. a little bit more seriously. Um, and then I went to the state competition um, this was in 2016. Okay. I went to the, because I, I won the school competition in state. I mean, and I went to state 2016 and I came in first runner. I came first runner up. I came second, the best loser. Um, the best loser. <laughs> the best loser. Um, but the cool thing about it was that this competition is funded by the National Endowments for the Arts and the National Poetry Foundation. And so I got second place. But I went into it thinking it's either you get first place, and I knew at first place you got a prize, but I thought, like, once you lost, you lost. Second place, they gave me $900. (laughs) So going into it expecting not to get anything, I was like, wait a minute, I need to take poetry seriously. Hold on now. Like, from this moment, I am, like, the poet. Like, call me the poet. (laughs) Like, I was taking it seriously. Um, No, but then... um, I think being in that space kind of opened my eyes to the different ways art can manifest itself and how powerful words are. Like words can really move you and take you to a different place in which you had no intentions of going. And, um, and I think too, a lot of times while studying poetry, because as a writer, I feel like to become a better writer at it, you have to kind of study, you have to um, listen to more people, read more people's work. Uh, I've learned so much and I've grown so much as a person by being a witness to other people's art in that way. And so being a part of that journey and that experience kind of made me want to uh, leave an impact of my own with my art and, and let my truth kind of speak and, and let other people gravitate, gravitate towards it. So, um, yeah, poetry is definitely something that I'm going to keep with me. And, um, 
though it started off like kind of me being like competitive at you know at heart um i ended up finding a lot of appreciation for it especially um especially because i i i I think it's important that black men in particular have like those vehicles to express themselves Mm -hmm. and to um have some sort of outlet so yeah that was a bit of life (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome that it was that it stemmed from just being like competitive because in in, in like in the nature of sport like that's really what it it, that's what it is so you bring that out into other avenues and you're being just uber competitive and i definitely feel that as well because like whatever i do you know like i want to be really good at it so like with this podcast, for example, I think the first episode I did, I did uh, not too much preparation, it was just for fun, mm-hmm. just with my like one of my buddies here, and it was I felt like it was cool, and I sent it to my friend, and I was like, hey, like if you have any constructive, you know, feedback, criticism, I'd love to hear it, and she, I mean, ripped it apart. Oh, I love that. Ripped it apart, <laughs> and like you. like three paragraphs of text of just analysis and like what I could do to, to be better. <laughs> and so I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to, I'm going to take this and I'm going to see if I can yeah. actually get better. So no, I, yeah. I definitely like, I, I haven't won $900 yet, but you know, I feel like I'm on my way. <laughs> oh, in due time, brother. In due time. In due time. And may I add too, I can definitely see um, the improvement that you've had <laughs> in these podcasts. Like as I've been, like listening, even though you know the first first podcast, um, you kind of had me messed up, um, calling someone else your best friend. But we're gonna let it no, slide. No, 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 no. Um, it's not like that though. Huh? Uh, it's not like that. What? What, what happened? See, what happened was it was an entanglement. See, see. It was an entanglement. With- Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Whoa. Wait, what month is it? August? Oh. It's August? It's, it's unfortunate. Oh. But yeah, oh, it was man. an entanglement. So, you know. <laughs> no, but I definitely have seen the um, progress on your podcast. And I think, you know, dude, you are you are going places. I'm super excited for you, man. I'm super excited. And that's the thing, right? We're so powerful. We are so powerful. And yet, so few of us choose to tap into that and really live up to that potential. And a lot of it does come with like, you know, the cards we were dealt, um, but we're active participants in that. And I think I, I see how you've been kind of living up and taking steps to, to really leave a, an impact. And I'm proud. Dang. I appreciate that. Especially coming from you. You're doing the same thing, but Hey man, I wanted to talk about, you know, one more thing. Because you are, we, we've been talking about football, been talking about mm-hmm. neuroscience, health biology, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And we've been talking about poetry. And I feel like with each one of those that we've been talking about, you've been really passionate about it. Like there's been, you know, <laughs> there's been something behind the scenes that if you're looking at you and you go, oh, he does poetry, like, okay, cool. Oh, he plays football, okay, cool. Oh, he's a neuroscience major. Okay, cool. But like until you actually talk to you or talk about it, like you're not going to know the the passion or, or the reason why. And like your reasons for each and what you what you 
bring to each one, I feel like comes with so much passion. And so my only question is just like, with being so diverse in interest, like how, how important is that for you? And then how do you bring like so much passion to each individual one? Yeah. Wow. That was such a great question. Um, (laughs) I think, I think we have a certain curiosity as kids that over the time gets um, dwindled away and we kind of are pushed on certain paths, whether it's like a football path. Like if you're playing football football, and like um, for me, I played football since I was five. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, it was like little league and then it was like middle school, then high school, high school, you start the recruitment process. Like there's always like certain paths that um, society kind of pays out for people. Um, my biggest thing is not getting, um, entangled <laughs> within <laughs> nice. within those boxes and within those um, those paths, and really just taking the time to find out my interests. That's my biggest thing that I could like ever give anyone is take the time to really figure yourself out and find out your interests. And I'm telling you, it's not hard to be passionate about something you actually care about, like. There is nothing for me to, you know, talk about poetry or share some of my some of my manuscripts that I I built. But um, that comes with the fact that I actually love it. Like I actually have that interest, right? And I think, especially with football too, everything isn't going to be easy, and sometimes it's going to be so hard that. Um, you have to question yourself even more, right? Mm-hmm. But that's what I'm saying. Once you question yourself and you start figuring out who you are and your interests, you will start to build a certain priority list in your head, right? Because we can only exert so much energy energy out. We can only, or else what? We're overextending ourselves. Yeah. We're, we're running out. We're burning out. Um, and, you know, I believe in giving my all. If I'm going to do something, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it and I'm going to commit. I'm going to like give it my best. Um, But that comes with also knowing yourself and knowing what you truly are interested in, knowing what really pushes you as a person. You know, for me, art in the form of, of poetry or literature really like pushes me like that drives me to create, you know, those spaces. Um, you know, football, having that relationship with you guys and being able to create a space where um, we all can benefit from it. That's what drives me, right? So, like, for instance, the Zoom meetings we've had and, Mm -hmm. you know, we're going to have some more Zoom. But, like, that, you know, a lot of that responsibility did fall on me. Um, and you've helped in that a lot too, but I think, you know, in the reality of it is that I may not have a senior season, but I still want to be a part of it. And I still want to leave something that's going to be beneficial for you guys because we are, you know, connected in that way. Mm-hmm. And that's what drives me, you know, that's what keeps me so passionate. So, um, be authentic, 
be authentically interested in the things in which you pursue and it will never be hard to be passionate about it. Damn. Got a lot of really good quotes from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> got a lot of really good quotes from this. But yeah, thank you, man. Thank you for, for speaking your wisdom and sharing your passions with us today. Um, I want to let you have the last word, even though that was pretty powerful already. Um, but if there's anything that you're you know, doing or want to shout out before we wrap this up, uh, please feel free. Yeah. Um, well, first, you know, thanks for having me. You know, I'm always <laughs> supporting you. And I think that's my message. It's like to support one another, especially in this time. Like, that's why when you text me and was like, hey, can you are you available at this time? I was like, I'll make time. Because I'm invested in in you as we have a relationship, and, and I think showing up for people in this time is really, really what's important. Um, you know, y'all can stay tuned and follow me on my socials um, if you want to. You know, stay up to date with what I got going on. I got some pretty exciting things coming um, on Instagram, hey. MD Moore underscore same on Twitter. Yeah. And we'll drop that in the in the description. But y'all go follow the boy. Y'all go follow Quay. Cause he's out the show. It's also really cool. It's a cool page. Y'all see some cool pictures and you'll get to see the hair that we were talking about. You got a couple pics of things on there too. <laughs> but yeah, Quay, thank you so much for joining us today. That's gonna do it for this episode. Uh please catch us on Friday. We'll have one more episode to wrap up the week. But once again, thank you guys for listening. And that's going to do it for us. Out. See, yeah, right.